Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jake Kerry, and this is the Black Ink Podcast, and this is episode number 47. Three episodes away from 50. I'm so excited. I am uh, feeling a little bit under the weather at the moment because I did my usual wake up at bullshit o'clock this morning. I was on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and fucking TikTok and all the rest for hours. And then as soon as Riz was out of the house, I was back in bed and had another three hours sleep. And you're like, wow, I wish I could go to bed at seven o'clock in the morning and wake up at 10 o'clock. Trust me, you don't. I feel like pure shit at the moment. I've had a shower. I've done some exercise. I've played with my dog, had some food, had some coffee. I got more coffee with me right now and I still feel average. I feel like the fucking, the, the quest of figuring out what makes you feel good and how, how your specific body works and having that relationship with yourself and knowing like, oh, I feel like this, I feel good, I'm going to feel better by doing this or I feel bad, I'm going to recover by doing this. You know, it's such a fucking, I feel like I'm constantly push-pulling at like what does work and then every now and then you think you're onto something and then as soon as you make a routine out of it, the shit changes on you. So, but man, it is what it is. I'll tell you one thing I do every day is uh, when I wake up, first thing I do in the morning, and if you're an avid listener, you're like, Jake, I don't care. I've heard this 50 times. And if, you, if you're Larissa, you definitely know exactly what I do, and you've heard it a million times. But I'll tell you anyway. First thing I do when I get up is, you know those sh- salt shakers that you get from um, Woolies and Coles, like their brand ones, where it's got the salt shaker in the thing in the end? So like 12 full twists of those into like a ramekin. So it's a fair bit of salt. Like if you were to Look, it's probably too much salt, you know what I mean? Because I have to do everything at 120% of what it's meant to be. So I do 12 of the fucking things. So it's a fair bit of salt and a little ramekin. Then you boil the kettle, pour some in there so it can like dilute. Set that aside for a minute to let that heat up. Then I like fill up this cup up to like like there, which I think is like 600 mils, five, six, 700 mils, somewhere around there. And then I like squeeze half a lemon into that. And then I get my fucking um, salt my like diluted salt and I stir it up with the straw to make sure it's all mixed up. Then I pour that in the cup and then, you know, put a bit more water in the ram. We can pour it so you get it all out. Fucking vortex the fuck out of that and just drink the whole lot straight away. And man, every morning when I wake up, I do that and I feel terrible straight away because it's like your stomach has gone from like nice and relaxed and asleep to just like, I'm full of 700 mils of water, lemon and salt. And man, feels average, but then like fucking, it's like it's a... It's interesting actually because I find that like I, I, my body craves that more than I need to like take a piss straight away. And like if you're human and you have human experiences, you know, typically the first thing that you do is wake up and take a piss. And also, if you don't wake up and take a piss, you need to change your life. Okay, that's really important that you piss first thing in the morning. You shouldn't be able to go five, six, seven, eight hours of doing nothing and then wake up and not need to piss. Just common sense, you know. But anyway, I feel like I need to drink that water more than I need to take a piss. And the interesting thing is, like, the piss usually comes once that starts to settle down. And what, hang on, I've got off the track here. I'm going to start stop calling it piss and start calling it urinating. That's the word I'm going to go with for this podcast for the next five minutes. I'm not going to commit to anything. I fucking, I need to commit to my dog, Black Ink, and Larissa. And not in that order, of course. Of course, Black Ink comes first. I'm joking, Larissa comes first. Anyway, so... <clears throat> The thing that I find that like, obviously I can get up and urinate straight away, but I would rather, for some reason my body is like so tuned into, even though it feels crappy drinking the water, there's something about the like, the responsibility of doing it. And the worst thing, the thing I find as well, like when I go to hotel rooms or, you know, we have overnighters or whatever, if I can plan this the best I can, I do. But if I don't do it, there's a sense of like, not only does like, the thing is I do it so much now that I don't know if my body relies on it or I don't know if it's such a powerful thing to do for your body because you've just spent eight hours heavy breathing, getting rid of all that 
that you know like mouth breathing you know the shit where if you mouth breathe on a window it fucking fogs up that's because there's water in the breath right so you're breathing all of that shit out obviously your body is metabolizing resting going through all the systems that it goes through when you're asleep and then you're waking up you're pretty much like you're depleted already and the fucking bullshit thing is most people go and like have a hot shower or drink a coffee straight away which are both dehydrating things you can do to yourself so whether my body is actually like made a habit out of this and it has adjusted the way that my kind of rhythm inside my body works so much so that I feel shitty when I don't do this or maybe it's just that this is a really good thing to do for your body in general and when I don't do it because I know how I feel when I do do it when I don't do it I feel like oh I'm missing something out of out of the morning you know what I mean and the crazy part is when you're at a hotel room or you're doing some sort of overnight overnight stay or something you typically are in a position where like you enter that holiday mode and you're like, oh, let's just get some good food and coffee and we'll worry about it later sort of thing, whatever that feeling is. Because you don't register that's what that's what you're missing. Because like, for me, the routine isn't the drinking of the water. It's going to the kitchen and turning the kettle on. You know what I mean? It's because I do that that everything else follows and, and ensues afterwards. But when you're outside of your normal environment, all those habitats go out the window because you don't have all those triggers that you normally face first thing that you'd like because of habit you remember like oh this 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 you know and man then you end up going and getting some good food and good coffee and obviously like dehydrating yourself with the coffee and then the good food that you have is shit that you would never eat at home typically it's high in salt and sugar and fat and then next thing you fucking got a stomach ache you got a headache you're in a bad mood you can't fucking have a conversation without it turning into like something kind of neutral or negative you can't just be like your normal positive like upbeat yeah, it's a new day self sort of thing. So I must say, I put so much of my, like so much of my day actually leans on that habit, you know, and even like beyond that. And I know I'm about to fucking lose people here, but like the first thing that I do is like I drink water, then I pray, right? And like the thing about, see, I use prayer and, and the word praying in like very loosely because like I feel like when you say praying to people, and like I had this yesterday when I was talking to a friend, when you say praying to people, they imagine something that is based off their experience, you know, which is fair. That's fair. Everyone's allowed to do that. But I feel like what I'm doing versus what people think that I'm doing versus what prayer actually is, they're three totally different things. Because I feel like this is my definition of it. And like with everything that I say on this podcast, I'm an expert and absolutely fuck all. So if you take on my opinion, it is absolutely on you. It's on you to do your own research. And especially when it comes to prayer, go and find your own meaning for it. But let's talk about it just for a second. And I know I've talked about it before. Let's talk about it again. Fuck you. So the the practice of prayer is going is going through like a, a um, what do you call it? Rehearsed set of like paragraphs or sentences or something in order to remind you like in in my head, I find that when I do my praying and my praying is broken down into pretty much three full A4 pages that I wrote almost fucking a year ago now. It might be over a year ago. These three full pages that I say every morning and when I get a chance to every night, the reason that I do it is to remind myself what I'm doing. It reminds myself what I'm doing with my life, what I'm doing with my business and what I'm doing as a person, who I'm trying to be, what I'm trying to achieve, what direction that I'm heading. And the thing that I find about this is that I've woken up, I've drunk my water, so I've done what I need to do for my body. I do. I say my prayers, I've done what I need to do for my mind to be able to immediately get started on what I need to do and start moving in the direction that I, that I 
pause last night. You know what I mean? So imagine every day you're getting closer and closer and closer and closer to a goal. The problem I find is, especially when you're in this realm of self-employment and you are the one who has to be diligent with your goals and your ambition and making sure that you're heading in the right direction all the time, is when you shut off on Thursday night, to start back up on Friday morning exactly where you shut off on Thursday night is so fucking hard. It's so hard. It's almost unfair. You kind of think like, sometimes I don't want to stop working at the end of the day because I've got so much positive momentum in the laser pointed right direction that I know for a fact that tomorrow morning, it's going to be really hard to pick up where I left off, right? So I find that the practice of prayer allows me to go like, right, where, what, what, what is the business doing? The business is doing, right, the end goal of the business is this. What am I doing about that? Well, I'm taking this step, this step, and this step. And I know you're probably thinking like, what? So you've got all your steps mapped out. No, 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 you got to talk in a general sense, right? So let me think, one of the things about, so one of the parts of like my prayer that talks about my business is the experience that I'm trying to create overall for the customer, right? So the thing that I'm trying to do the most for the customer is add value, is to give, is the actual act of giving the experience from everything of everything from hearing about black ink to wearing black ink. You know, you hear about it, you follow it, you watch it for a little bit, you end up on the website, you buy something, it gets shipped out, it arrives in your letterbox, you open it, and now you're wearing it. Everything in between, that whole experience, I'm trying to tailor it so the customer has the best possible perception of black ink. There isn't a, it's not like you go like, oh, he's got a great Instagram page and I love his t-shirts, but it takes fucking six weeks to get a top from him. You know what I mean? So part of that is I remind myself just with that little bit of that page that fits into three other pages of that prayer that goes like, right, I'm about the customer experience. So it's really easy to go like, right, what were we doing yesterday for the customer experience? Right, it was this. What was that? Okay, so I had this, this, and this involved. Cool. So now it's a bit easy to take off from where we left off before. And I know you're thinking like, oh, this is real rudimentary shit. I mean, you can literally just say, leave the book open that you were reading last night, or leave the design sheets, or leave the tabs open, and all the rest. But you're telling me that you have the fucking discipline, the self-discipline, the power to pick up where you left off every single fucking day, right? With no one watching you, no one supervising you, no one telling you if you start heading the wrong direction, none of that. You're telling me that you have the fucking, the, the precision focus to be able to do that day in, day out for years until your shit comes together and maybe you can employ someone to do that. Or maybe you've put a process or system in place so that it, it looks after itself. Dude, shit's hard. I'm literally, I think what I'm saying right now is, and I know this within myself, I'm just verbalizing it right now. And that's what all this is. We're figuring shit out together. So stick with me, right? My business would be nothing without prayer, right? And I've said this before in the podcast before. This all started when I read a book called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, which has just been turned into a movie to my belief. I don't know anything about it. But if you end up hearing about it, I suggest watch it and take whatever it is that fucking lights your flame and gets your dick hard and run with it because that's what that book does. It, it makes you excited about the shit you're excited about and encourages you to turn it into something that allows you to have an income and a lifestyle that you actually fucking enjoy doing. How bizarre does that sound? But a lot of this, all of this shit that I'm doing, even down to me being here with this podcast right now, I can trace it all back to prayer. All back to prayer. It's crazy. You know... Hey, Louie. Chew on any toy but that one for me, buddy. Just keep chewing on that one. It's all good. <clears throat> even down to, like, there are things... And this is the thing, like... I feel um, one of the things that prayer has also done for me is it's allowed me to have a better connection with the things that I don't like about myself, right? 
So one of the things like, I think the thing that I hate the most at the moment aesthetically about myself is the fact that I can't stop biting my nails. I hate looking at my nails. I hate it when I'm biting my nails. I hate when I'm trying to record record something for Instagram or whatever it is when I'm recording a story in my hands in it and you can see my dirty nails. And look, I'm gonna fucking show you right now because I'm not scared of shit, but I bite my nails literally as low down as I can. Sometimes I'll get excited and I'll fucking make them bleed. It is what it is. And then, you know, you end up having a fucking... You're having a good day, so you're like, you know what, I'm not just going to stop in the nails. I'm going to chew on the skin down the side of my nails as well. I don't know what it is. And like, I'm pretty diligent in my own mind about like triggers and how it happens and all the rest. Like I literally bite my nails because like I've always bitten my nails. It's such a habitual thing that it's not like it's anxiety. It like, it's not caused by anxiety. It's not caused by like frustration. I don't do it when I'm happy. I don't do it when I'm sad. I do it literally all the time. Probably the most consistent thing is I do it when I'm thinking. And one thing that has made a a bit of a difference, oh, before I even go into that, dude, I fucking quit biting my nails twice, twice before I've quit biting my nails. And you know, I used to, it's fucked, man, because like when I quit biting my nails, I still used to drag my teeth under my nail and I would almost put enough pressure on to bite it and I'll do it to each one of my nails like a dozen times a day. So it's like not even the fucking nail biting process that I like, it's just like the that feeling of like, man, I could have started biting my nails then, you know? And like, furthermore, when I do grow my nails and like everyone who isn't a fucking animal like me knows exactly what I'm talking about here. When your nail gets like past, past your fucking, the end of your finger. So like you can actually get in there with a nail clipper and, and clip it. You can like tap on shit and it doesn't just sound like your, your finger hitting whatever you're tapping. It sounds like a nail hitting it. I love that feeling, you know? Like I really love having that. But then just one day, for whatever reason, I bit one nail. And I think the second time I quit, I had the one nail that I would still bite. I think it was like, I think it was that finger. I would still bite that nail, like right down to the thing and all of the rest I could just leave. And then it turned into two nails. And I think two nails to 10 nails happened overnight. You know what I mean? Like he just, once once I was like, fuck it, there's already two fucked. Why not just do the other eight and enjoy my fucking weekend sort of thing, you know? But, and like the funny thing about I should, I should probably mention, I have nothing to do with biting my nails in my prayers. So that probably says something about it. You know what I mean? But one of the cool things about prayer is like, as mentioned, and I think it was like episode seven, critically thinking, brilliant men. Um, one of my goals in life is to be a brilliant man, right? And obviously, like a lot of that comes down to my definitions, definitions, definition of brilliance and what it means to be a man, right? But in that, I've broken down what that definition means to me and I repeat it every morning and every night when I get the chance. So I'm like, you go, it's really easy to go like, oh yeah, okay, so you do this little thing for your business. You start to get a better understanding of how powerful prayer is when you realize that prayer can reach every single corner of your life and it literally gives you the ability in the moment while you're doing something that you don't like doing to have that moment with yourself and say, hey, we weren't gonna do this, right? So one of the things, I don't really like sharing too much of my prayers, but one of the things that I do like, one of the things that I will share with you is, um, <clears throat> I think it's like the last paragraph on the page about things that I want to change about me. And it says that, I understand that I'm human and deserve the right to feel any and all emotions. I also understand it's my duty to know how I feel affect the people around me. And I also understand that with constant and persistent attention, I can become the brilliant man that I want to see more of in the world, right? So just that there, I used to have terrible problems where I would get so overwhelmed by anger and I would let myself be a product of my emotion rather than just being someone experiencing an emotion, right? 
So now I find that literally when I get angry about things, I go like, oh, you are angry. You are angry. You are feeling anger, right? But I am not going to, I like, I don't have to let how I feel turn into an action because my feelings, my emotions are not given to me to affect the people around me. They're given to me in a response to a situation, right? And while those two things can bleed into each other, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're part of the same, you know, they're part of the same family. To me, it's just like there's a whole bunch of elements floating around in a room and now you've got another element thrown into it. Now it's your choice whether we fucking sew it into these other things. And typically those other things are other people's experience. Am I going to ruin someone else's day by projecting my anger on them? Or am I going to be someone who is in a situation who is experiencing anger but appreciates and realizes that that person is in a world of their own. They are living their experience and I have the, the, the ticket between fucking up their day and keeping it just the way it is, right? And the problem is when you're 28 and you're fucking the guy who runs Black Ink and you're six foot four and you weigh 90 kilos, you really do have, and I'm not putting myself on a pedestal there at all. What I'm saying is like, I appreciate that I'm a powerful man, right? I feel silly saying it, but I appreciate that I'm a powerful man. And if I want to fuck up your day, I can, but I can also make your day. I can also make you smile. And regardless of how I'm feeling, shouldn't have anything to do with your experience in your day. So when I get to these positions where maybe, you know, I'm sensitive to, I'm really sensitive to um, sound and heat, right? So if I get too hot or if things are too loud, it's really easy for me to bark at someone and go like, well, fucking what do you expect? You know what I mean? I'm over here, my fucking heart rate's at 120, 120 beats per minute. I'm sweating. What do you want me to do? You know? Well, they're also in a hot room. You know what I mean? Or they're also dealing with the thing that you're dealing with. You know, so instead of having that outrage, I can say to myself like, oh, you're allowed to feel that. It's expected that you feel that. You have as much permission to feel anger as you do joy. You're meant to feel as much anger as you do love. But the point is, do we do something about that emotion internally or do we have to externalize and fucking make everyone else angry as well? So the thing that I find with this and especially repeating the same thing that I wrote, you know what I mean? To take time out of your whole life. This is the thing to take time out of your day to do. This seems pretty hard because this is like a, a two to six hour exercise. And you're like, who's got two to six hours? Get this right. You've got your whole fucking life to figure it out. But the quicker you figure it out, the quicker you can Im implement it. And the quicker you implement it, literally the quicker you get results. You know what I mean? And like people say to me all the time, like, oh, black ink's gone from height to height to height to height. Yeah, no shit. Because I said like however many months ago it was, well, I think it's about a year ago now, I said black ink is going to go from height to height to height to height. I don't know what the path is going to be, but I'm stubborn on what the vision is going to be and it's huge, you know? So I find that it's almost one of those things where like I, the thing I like about this podcast is like I've just spent 18 minutes talking about prayer. Do you think any of your friends can shut up for 18 minutes to let you talk about prayer? It's one of those things where like, this is maybe the most powerful shit that I've come across my whole life. And unfortunately, because I don't want to say religion, but Christianity especially. No, no, no. Religion in general, because every religion seems to have some sort of prayer. I feel like because of the umbrella that religion has put prayer under, it's conceived, it's misconceived of this as this fucking, this weird thing that you have to do to be a fucking son of God and to like be a follower and all the rest. But realistically, all prayer does is like, empowers you to be the best possible human that you can be. And if you can, at the beginning of it all, take time out to really focus in, to hone in on exactly what you're trying to achieve and obviously diversify 
those goals as much as you can going like, right, I want to do this with my money. I want to do this with my friends. I want to do this with my immediate future. And I want to do this personally, right? And then once you've categorized all these things, it's like making dot points so you can be so deliberate and precise on what you're trying to achieve. And then turn that into a sentence that you can, you know, a sentence turns into a paragraph, a paragraph turns into a page. And like, obviously I'm fucking doing 150% of what I got to do. It doesn't have to be an entire page about each category. The idea is that you are setting up some sort of framework or some sort of guidelines that you're trying to live by every day. That if you st- if you imagine starting the day by saying this every day, then it's gonna turn into something. See, let's use an easy example. If you wake up every single day and your your routine is going to the mirror, looking yourself in the eye and saying with this amount of projection and this amount of energy, I am a brilliant person, I am in control and I'm confident. And you say that three times, I'm a brilliant person, I'm in control and I'm confident. Do you think after a hundred days of saying that three times in the morning directly after you woke up that you might be a different person, even if you're not a brilliant person completely in control? What I'm saying, do you think anything will change for the positive? Because the thing that I've learned is, yes. The thing that I've learned is, the more you can, not the more you can fit in, but the more precise you get and the more emotion you give it and the more you visualize it in your head as you're saying every morning, the shit just appears in front of you. It becomes so simple that you start to ask for more and you get more, you know? Don't ask me what fucking magic is involved between saying it and receiving it because I don't know. And I don't want to sound all la la saying you got to put your crystals out in the fucking moonlight to charge them or any of that. I don't know what it is. But what I do know is it seems to work more often than not. And at the very least, at the very least, the thing that I take away from this whole exercise is the fact that even if it does nothing for my business or even if it doesn't fucking help me be any better of a person or it doesn't help me in whatever, it makes me feel good after I do it. It makes me feel like I'm on track. It like takes the fucking mystery out of like, I wonder if this day is going to be good. I wonder if this day is going to be, did I wake up on the wrong side of the bed? You know, like I've literally woken up from sleeping on the fuck dangle and you got the crook neck and you're like, ah, oh, fuck it. I want to drink my water, all the rest. You go, you sit down, you take time. You remember what you're about to do. You launch yourself into it. You're visualizing it as you go. You come out of it and you're like, right, let's fucking kick some goals. This is what I'm doing, right? And obviously, this is my personal experience. Don't take it from me. Go read the book and do it yourself. Or you know what? If not, don't. All good. Nothing will change. Nothing will change. I just think that cloud, that prayer is in, the conception that it has, you know, the meaning that people give it is so, I don't know, so tainted. It's so tainted for the wrong reason, you know? And like, this is the thing, you know, you hear about a couple, uh, you know, I, I don't even want to say what, you know, you hear about some priests fiddling with some kids and it ruins religion in general. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean that the Bible isn't a great book full of stories that are metaphorical and you can actually apply most of the things that are happening in your life into things that are happening in the Bible and get some pretty good direction and answers from it. Hey, Louie, what have you got? What was that? You just ate, oh my God. You know when your dog just ate something and looks at you like, what do you mean? Hey buddy, <laughs> she's good. I'll tell you what, cut that off, cut that off, okay? I don't know how I got, uh, oh yeah, I blew out because I was talking about waking up early, hey? Yeah. But yeah, if you're going to take a nana nap, don't do it between 7am and 10am because it does leave you feeling a little bit fucking woo woo. But with that said, see, first thing I did was woke up, didn't drink any water and had a hot shower 
And now, oh no, I, 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 I drank water after the shower. See, that could be why I'm feeling a little bit fucking... I'm feeling good now, by the way. That that got my fucking... My brain juice is pumping. You know what I mean? I'll tell you what. This is funny. Riz went to the... Um, it's not funny. It's just interesting. Riz went to one of those... You know the places that sells all the kitchen goods? Like knives and pots and pans and fucking plates and tea bag, tea bag things. And I don't know, cutlery. You know, they just sell all of the stuff that you get in the kitchen. And like... Man... I'm not going to make the mistake I made before and fucking mention the actual shop that I'm talking about. But this shop, I'm sure you have one in your fucking local shopping center or whatever it is. One of those places that is constantly on sale. You know what I mean? And then like every now and then you walk past it and they're like, shutting down sale. Everything must go. And then you walk down, you walk past there like a week later and it's just like a new shop fit out with the same name and everything. And you're like, is your whole business model just being on sale all the time? Like... It's, it fucking, it annoys me because like, it doesn't annoy me because obviously like you feel like you're getting a deal and that's what they're trying to catch you on. You know, probably 50% of the shop, like everything's just priced normally. And then the other 50% of the shop, which is like, you know, scattered between all the normally priced shit is things that are like 70% off or 50% off. Now I know to your average Joe, and this is the thing, like, I think that when you look at something like this. This all comes back to, in my mind, whether you're a consumer or a producer, right? And I and like it's very simple because as a producer of goods, as a merchant, as someone who sells something, when I see this, I think you're trying to fuck me, right? I think you're trying to fuck me because if you are constantly on sale and things are constantly marked down, rah, rah, it's the end of season, all the rest, like literally as a producer, I don't see any of the reason why something's on sale. All I see is the colors. Right, so you're trying to grab my attention and pull me in, and like give me the big numbers, like seventy percent off or fifty percent off. Well, what was this worth originally then? So Riz bought a set. Get this right. So Riz got a set of knives yesterday that was down from thirteen hundred to two hundred and fifty dollars, and you still got twenty percent off the sale price, which meant that it was a two hundred dollar set of knives. Now it's in one of those nice knife blocks with nine knives in it. They're all beautifully shaped and they got the fucking ripple effect and the wooden handles and the, uh, you know, $200 for something that was originally priced 1300. Now respectfully, respectfully, never sell me something for $200 that was originally 1300 if it's brand new in the box and you have a pallet of them because now I don't believe that it was ever worth $1300. I don't believe that it's even near worth $1,300. I think that's the first price you put on it for a week or two weeks and then it didn't go anywhere because people aren't fucking stupid and then you had to do the price that they're actually... like. Um, okay, I've got too far down that track. What are, the, what are those knives worth new? What are they worth? What are they worth wholesale? Because someone's still making money. You don't have a pallet full of knife blocks that you can sell for $200 that are meant to be sold for $1,300 and not make any money on them. The thing is... I know that if you're going to sell those for $200, that you must at least have bought them for $100, which begs the question, if you paid $100 for that knife block, you're going to charge someone $1,300 for it? And I get it. They're never that much because they're always on sale. Like even on a bad day, you might go in there and they're $600. You paid $100 for them and you're charging $600 for them? Okay, if you're going to fuck me, don't have transparency. You know what I mean? If you're going to fuck me, don't let me know by having these ridiculous sales. You got to, you want to live by the sword? You fucking die by the sword. They should never be on sale for $200 if they're worth recommended retail $1,300. Because that means that you're fucking us on everything else. 
right? That means you're fucking us on everything else. That means a full price bullshit that you've got for $300, that's probably worth 20 bucks to buy. I know what you're saying. I'm like, oh, we've all got a fucking like, oh, Jake, do you don't have a profit margin, Black Ink? Fucking oath I do. Shit's consistent though. You know, I'm out here making a living. I'm not out here fucking killing it. And also like, man, the problem is as a producer, I'm, I look at the overall thing that's going on, right? So I don't look at like that any one thing that we're honing in on. It's like, if you're doing that over here, that's got to be happening over here, right? So what that does is that devalues your entire shop. That means that everything in here is worth a fraction of what you're asking for it. So yes, I will buy your knife block and you'll make $100 out of me, say. And obviously, like I'm rolling with some numbers that I just made up in the moment, you know? They might be worth $170 to these people and they're selling them for 200 because they actually have to get rid of them because they're the end of stock, but they've been there for four years. Anyway, so then that makes me think like, okay, I'll give you $200 for this set of knives because regardless of any of this, when I look at this and I take my experience of all the times that I've ever bought knives and knife blocks and all the rest and how this appears aesthetically and the box and the whole experience of that is worth $200. I believe that if you break down this sale, right? If you break down those nine knives, so nine divided by, so 200 divided by nine is what fucking... We'll divide it by 10 is 20, so divide it, say 20 bucks a knife, right? That's insane value for these knives. And you're giving a knife block in there for free, say, you know what I mean? So I'm happy to do that, but I will take nothing else in this shop seriously, right? And the idea I feel by having a shop is you come like a service station, you come to us for fuel, but you accidentally leave with a pie, a bag of lollies and a fucking fill in the blank. You know what I mean? That's a whole idea of having a, uh, having a shop. When you come to my website, I want you to buy the shirt that you want, but I want you to get a pair of socks on the way out. And I want you to get a hat on the way out. I want you to get a second shirt or a jumper. I want you to get your girlfriend a crop top, right? The problem is with this, I can't help but think like, right, I'm going to take this one thing, but I can't give you the money for the cutlery set over here that's worth $150 because now I'm thinking I'm buying cutlery that's only worth 15 Now I'm thinking that I'm buying something that if I just went online, if I really want this, I can go online and get this for what it's worth instead of the bullshit profit margin that you've got on it. But the reality is those knives aren't worth $100 and the profit margin isn't like fucking 4,000% if they did sell it at 1300 What they're doing is they're shooting themselves in the foot. This is obviously still my opinion as a producer. They're shooting themselves in the foot because they're saying like, look at what we can do this for, but we can't do that for this over here. It fucks with the value of everything. And like, I know you're thinking like, right, you want to buy um, knife blocks and all the rest? Sure, dude, but you got to start how you want to finish. You got to start how you want to finish. And if you're going to stay true to this idea that they were ever worth $1,300, well, for fuck's sake, don't come below $700. Never go under 50%. Well, you know, half a fucking... It's not important, right? <laughs> it's not important. The part that just fucking melts me is like, there is no way that that saving is feasible. If I walk past here once a week, every fucking day of the year, and you always have knife blocks on sale for these ridiculous low prices, then... Man, nothing is fucking right here. But the problem is there are the two perspectives. You can look at it as a producer or you can look at it as a consumer, right? And I'm guessing that the majority of people that are listening to this podcast right now are consumers, right? There's nothing wrong with that. You know, you've got a job, you've got a car, you've got a house, you've got a mortgage, you've got debt. You know, you, you don't live week to week, but you pretty much do. you got a little bit on top. And I'm, I'm not at all fucking, dude, this is my life as well. But the thing is, you're so overwhelmed by having a job, having the responsibilities of your job, having it, trying to have a family, trying to have a love life with your partner, 
while all this shit is going on, trying to pay off your debt, trying to get have a social life, trying to get to fucking netball training on Thursday nights, trying to do this, trying to do that. That when you walk past these shops and all the rest, they're anticipating that you're not paying attention, right? And again, as a producer, as someone who creates and curates products and marketing and media for my business, the thing that I'm trying to do is give you the most amount of information in the least amount of words and the least amount of effort possible because I know you're busy. I know that you don't have a special place in your heart and mind for Black Ink and you're going to go out of your way to learn about all these things about Black Ink. And therefore, it's my job to translate, to describe, to, to give you the experience of what I'm trying to sell with the least amount of effort possible because you're busy and you've got things to do. Okay? So what these places do, and Woolworths and Coles do this all the time, right? What they do is they make things flashy. The things that they want to sell, they're flashy. It's running, It's almost out of date. It's got a red and yellow tag on it, right? Or it's got 20% off. It's got a fucking, some particular colored tag on it. And that's what they're doing with this shit with the fucking, with the knives, right? They put them right out the front. They put them on the corner. So as you're walking by, you don't even have full perception of what shop it is. You don't, can't see the thing up the top there, but you can see these knives are all stacked up in a nice pyramid. And they're saying, these were once $43,000 and today only we're selling them for $12.50 for you and you only limit 14 boxes per customer. And that only applies if, you know what I mean? Like it just, I was going to go on, but I thought I better stop there. But you know what I mean? So for me, that says that you're not taking me seriously as a consumer if I put in just a little bit more thought about the whole situation. But that's the whole fucking business model. It's relying on the fact that people are busy, people are overwhelmed. You bring them in with the fucking bullshit, chip, uh, bullshit cheap knives and then you sting them on the fucking cutlery that they buy on the way out. You know, starts to make sense a bit now. And this is the same thing as like when you go to Coles. It's like, man... We went into IGA the other day to buy a fucking tomato and spent $40. We spent $40. We got a fucking pizza that you put in the freezer and you heat up in the oven. We got little fucking treats that you get that are on sale. Like literally everything was on sale, which is the wild part. But you forget that 15 items on sale equals $40 fucking dollars, you know? And man, at the end of the day, you have to remember that businesses and companies don't put things on sale so that you can get them cheap. They put them on sale so that they can get rid of them and still make money out of them, right? Because even if you make one cent on something that's about to expire, you're still making one cent versus losing all the money that it costs to buy it, ship it, hold it, and put it on sale and throw it out at the end of the day. So look, obviously like as a business, and like I said, I'm glad that I fucking footnoted all of this with I'm trying to add as much value as I can to the customer because that's truly what I'm trying to do. At my stage of business, that's what I have to do. I literally have to give away as much shit as I can for free possible. Oh man, I'm fucking getting religious up and just sit there, all right? Sorry. But um, the, like I literally have to give away as much shit as I can for free for possible, otherwise, Right now, if I have the mentality of like Coles and Woolies, people are going to completely under, you know, this is the thing, like I don't want to communicate to my customers that as soon as something's kind of not cool anymore, I'm just going to put it on sale and then every, you know, people can just wait until it goes on sale. Nah, dude, like it costs what it costs to make. My profit margin is what it is and it needs to be that for me to fucking put fuel in my car, to put food on my table and pay my rent. And it's not one of those things that I'm going to devalue the product in six months time because I feel like it's not hot anymore. Like I would do better off to have, have complete other uses. I would rather give them to the salvos and have people find them that way and the Salvation Army get their money out of it. 
You know what I mean? Because the whole perception of the business at my level of business right now is that, that like I'm fucking brand new. Anyway, I I feel like I got a little bit fucking, sorry, got a little bit sidetracked on that last bit, but you understand what I'm trying to say. And man, man, I'm fucking, I feel like I get worked up about the weirdest things, but you know, we're here, we're doing it. Mm. I saw the other day that, um, this is the thing, like I try and get on and off Facebook as quickly as I can, because as we all know, as pointed out by the social dilemma on Netflix, which is an interesting and brilliant documentary that pretty much Facebook is built off, um, what's it called? Buttonheads conflict. So Facebook is essentially built up of conflict so much so that they're more likely to show you things that are going to negatively impact you rather than things that are positively impact you because things that positively impact you tend to not cause conflict. And therefore people don't engage as much, people don't people don't have as much involvement in the whole situation, and therefore you don't spend as much time on the app. So they give you things that are that are conflict worthy that you can have your opinion on. And the part that annoys me the most is you can have that knowledge. You can go into that situation knowing that that's the case. But the thing that weirdly happens is like you're two minutes in and you're commenting on someone's fucking post about some shit that you don't care about because they said something dumb and you want to have your say back. Man, it worked. They got in someone who knows what... And there's a the thing. The Social Dilemma was released like last year in the middle of the pandemic where everyone was locked down inside their house and everyone is still on fucking... Like everyone saw it. Everyone was talking about it. Everyone was talking about it on Facebook and Instagram and then everybody kept on using the damn thing. You know what I mean? It's kind of like telling a smoker like, hey man, you know that's giving you cancer? And they're like, yep. You want one? You know what I mean? That's literally how we are as humans. It's insane. But... The cool part about it is like now I go on Facebook and I try and the man, oh my God, if you, if you're friends with me on Facebook or I think even like if you follow Black Ink, you might see a little bit of this. I constantly come across people like, you know how when someone comments on something or they like interact with something, then it comes up on your thing saying such and such commented on this post and then you see the post and you see what they commented. So I don't follow a lot of the news channels, but what I do get is I've got like, I've got some really fucking, um, Oh, I was about to say something super offensive then. I've got some friends on Facebook that like to get political. You know what I mean? They like to, I don't know. I just don't think they realize that they are the product when it comes to social media. So they think by their participation, having their opinion and stuff that they're changing anything. They're not. They're just adding to the bullshit list of Facebook. Anyway, the thing that I find the most is like, they'll be commenting on things that are in the news. And then when I like, and you know, it's news because it's like seven news or sunrise or, you know, fill in the fucking blank. I mean, us Australians, we all know our news channels. You, you, you know it as soon as you see it, right? And then you look at the story and you're like, but sweetie, this isn't even news. This has got nothing to do with anyone. You know, this really isn't like the example that I'm going to mention, you're probably going to say like, oh yeah, but it's kind of, and I get it. I get it. If you really want to fucking knuckle down on it, this might be a good example of like kind of news, but we know as soon as I say it, you're going to go like, oh yeah, I can see how that's not news, right? There is outrage about how small the Lego pieces are that you get given at Woolies when you spend a certain amount of money, right? There's outrage because they're classified as toys and because they're so small Apparently, they are the most dangerous toy, the most dangerous giveaway that Woolies have done because they're a choking hazard for children. Oh, and other Lego isn't? All the other Lego bits aren't small enough to choke on or swallow for a child? What the fuck are you doing, right? 
What are you doing? If you're a parent, I mean, this is the thing, like, if there isn't a fucking label on every single plastic bag that says, don't let your child play with this or they'll suffocate, does that mean, like, if that label isn't on that bag, does that mean, like, anytime there's a plastic bag around, you're like, well, there's no label on it, so I guess I'll just let my kid play with this. You know what I mean? I mean, there's no label on these fucking scissors here. Hey, Billy, do you want to play, play with these? You do? Catch. You know what, like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Of course they're small. Like, what the fuck? You know? <laughs> What's going on? The thing, like, obviously we're at a point now, we're in such outrage culture that literally, like, news channels are posting things that aren't even necessarily true half the time just to get people to pay attention to them, and they're using them within these platforms that they know only respond to conflict and negative conflict at that. So then they make these, like, everyone knows the narrative here. They make the clickbaity titles. You end up going on there. You have a fucking bullshit read for five minutes that you could have spent doing anything else, even working on your prayers. See, there's some spare time you didn't think about. And then you go and comment on there some bullshit opinion that's backed by absolutely nothing. And you start fighting with other people having their opinions, bullshit opinions, backed by absolutely nothing. And now all you have is an echo chamber of fucking idiocy of people having opinions about the size of toys at Woolworths. Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, it just fucking blows my mind. And this is the thing, like, man, I hate talking about it, so I'm not even going to say the fucking topic, but you know what I'm talking about. The shit that everyone's talking about in the world right now and has been talking about it for the past, like, almost two years. That topic, everybody has their opinion and not a single fucking person has any information on it. Not a single fucking person. It blows my mind the amount of, like, the consistency of how much this appears in feeds on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and Facebook, and nobody knows what they're talking about. No one. The doctors don't know. The fucking, the people, our government doesn't know. The fucking professionals that are meant to be telling us, they don't know. And they're going to go like, oh, yeah, but they said on the news, they don't know. The, the news isn't a fucking 100% airtight place for information to be conveyed to the masses. We know that the media controls the news and it's just a narrative that they want the masses to know. And... It's 2021, it's almost 2022, and people are still fucking believing the shit that they hear on TV because it came off the TV. It's fucking crazy. You know, like, oh yeah, well I did my own research. What, you watch a couple fucking YouTube videos recorded by people like fucking you who don't know anything? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh boy, your boy got hated just then, huh? <laughs> fuck man, it's just... This is Blend 23, or no, nah, no, I don't, I think it's Blend 43. Man. I love that uh, because I used to own a coffee van, people think that I'm a hell coffee snob. Like, man, the, the coffee I used to make on my coffee van, it wasn't good, it was consistent. It wasn't good, it was consistent. And that's the trick, right? So if you take a really good cup of coffee, and you take a Macca's coffee, and you drink them both, the really good cup of coffee is undeniable, and the Macca's coffee tastes like Macca's coffee. And that's what they're selling. They're not selling particularly a quality product. They're selling a product that tastes the same every single time. And this is, this is, you know, I was about to use a big word then. This is congruent with their fucking, with their burgers. Like I know a double cheeseburger is made of like shit piled in with shit and then all built on top of a piece of shit. But God damn, it tastes good. It tastes so good. You can tell yourself, like, this is made out of pure shit as you're biting it, and then your mouth is just like, you're wrong, cunt. <laughs> you know? That's the thing. Like, man, I fucking... I mean, is my, I, I, 
never have I been a coffee snob. Never have I been someone who goes like, oh man, this fucking, this coffee's burnt. And we'll get to that. Hang on, let me, I don't even have a pen. Just remind me, coffee burnt. I'll come back to that. But the thing of like being a coffee snob in general is like the most like bullshit way to spend your time and energy. You know, like being like, being being the sort of person that sends a coffee back is just like, I mean, if the coffee's absolute bullshit and it turns out it's a barista's second day or they fucking accidentally use almond milk or some bullshit instead of normal milk, oh, did I upset you? But unless it's something like that, you're not meant to fucking, like the whole experience isn't the taste and the, the fucking dude. It's just, you know, if you're going out for coffee at a cafe, it's not about whether or not the coffee's good. Most of the time, it's about the experience that you're having with someone else and the experience of going to that place to have it. And you're like, yeah, but I paid my $4.50 for my coffee. It should be good. Well, then, that makes you a dickhead, doesn't it? <laughs> Man, you want some good coffee? You need one raw sugar, one heap spoon of Makona. You put the hot water in before the fucking milk because it needs to actually, you know, dissolve the coffee and the sugar. You give it a good stir, leave it for a second, bit of fucking Harlow milk on top. Mwah, that's a good coffee. That's a good coffee. And then you get these fucking, dude, it was awesome. I was working on the coffee van the other day and obviously like throwing out massive amounts of love to these guys. He's got not, I'm not picking on you. This is just a funny thing from my point of view. So there's a handful of them and like there's a little social club around the coffee van that I work on. I love it. They come and, they come and uh, hang out for fucking like two, three hours every morning. They all drink a few coffees and smoke cigarettes. It's, it's brilliant. I love seeing it. I love being a part of it. It's so cool. But they were having this conversation the other day about instant coffees. You know, saying like, oh, you go up north and they've only got International Roast or they've only got Blend 43 or Nescafe or Makona and then they're going into the Makona numbers and all that. And the one bloke especially, is looking at me and saying, oh, they're all shit, you know, I don't drink any of that bullshit, I don't have it at home, rah, 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 rah. It's like, bro, I would drink more Makona. I have drunk more Makona than fucking anything else, than any other coffee. And that's including the coffee that I used to serve on my own coffee van. You know what I mean? Like, for me, like, dude, let's break this down. I'm not even doing it for the taste. I'm doing it for the caffeine and the sugar, right? I'm a logical motherfucker. I don't smoke cigarettes because I like them. I smoke cigarettes because I'm addicted to nicotine. You know what I mean? And that's, I'm not saying that I smoke cigarettes. I'm saying when I break down the experience of smoking tobacco, I'm doing it for the head rush that nicotine gives me. You understand? Like I'm not doing it for the, for the fucking, the, the flavor or the bullshit. And like for me as well, like, man, if the coffee doesn't taste good because you've only got blend 43 or whatever, man, that just means I'm going to turn it into a shot and just have it all at once. So at least I get the caffeine. You know what I mean? Like, dude, the, the fucking bizarre part about people thinking that they have any sort of knowledge about coffee and those who know coffee, those who make coffee, those who fucking go through the process of learning about it and all the rest like man, coffee is one of those things where you can literally spend your whole life learning about it and still not know anything about it. But if you know the general principles of like, right, you know, you get coffee, you try not to expose it to light or too much fresh air, you grind it, the time between grinding it and like getting it in the group head, tamping it, putting it in the, um, putting it in the, in the group head, sorry, putting it in the um, handle, tamping it, putting it in the group head, you're trying to minimize that as much as possible. You don't want it sitting on the group head so it's not exposed to heat before the water comes through it. And then it needs to be a certain amount of extraction time with a certain amount of pressure. And then once you've got that, you want to kind of hit it as quickly as you can with the right temperature milk that has the right amount of oxygen in it. And you should get a reasonably good product out of all of that. If you understand the process, you know what you're looking for. You're looking for colors, you're looking for consistency, you're looking for like equality in the pressure when you're applying the tamp. And before you even do that, you want the same amount of coffee in the in the, in the all the places of I'm getting deep into it you understand but then you get some cockhead who comes along and says oh the coffee's burnt 
Oh, okay, compadre. What does that mean to you? Tell me what the coffee is burnt mean. Tell me. I'm listening. Cool. So basically, when people say the coffee is burnt, it really, like, I struggle to understand. And look, man, I completely understand. I'm the dumbest person in the room right now, okay? So if I'm wrong, and you know the answer to this question, put it in the comments below. Prove me wrong. I don't give a fuck. Hey, even, like, take a screen recording of this and then reply to it on TikTok and blow up. I don't give a single fuck what you do. But here's what I'm going to say. For me to burn the coffee, I don't exactly know what you're talking about, right? So which part of the process? So... Did the roaster burn it before it got bagged and then shipped to me? Or did I burn it in the grinding process? It's the same for all of them, right? Or did I burn it in the tamping process? Okay, did I burn it when I put it into the group head? Now I said before, you don't want that to be exposed to too much. You don't want to just put it in there and then leave it there, right? But I can guarantee out of the fucking 43 million coffees that I've ever poured, no coffee has ever sat in there longer than like five seconds between me putting it in there and pressing the button, right? So did I burn it there? Or did I burn it when the fucking hot water that the machine keeps at a regulated temperature that passes through every single coffee at the same temperature, maybe that's where it got burnt. Or maybe the, the same amount of extraction time for every other coffee, maybe that's where it got burnt, right? Or maybe you think that like after it got poured into the cup that I hit it with a fucking blowtorch or held a, a fucking lighter underneath it like I'm about to dang up. Maybe that's where it got burnt. Well, maybe you're talking about the milk being too hot because I fucking frothed it for fucking five seconds too long and even then doesn't change the flavor profile of the milk. It only makes the milk hotter. So when you say you received a burnt coffee, please explain to me what the fuck you mean. Because there's heaps of things you can say. But when you say that you got a burnt coffee, that says you're saying one thing to me, that you're trying to say something. It doesn't say that you know anything about coffee. It doesn't say there's even anything wrong with your product. It just says that you're trying to use the same terminology used when someone would have a problem with the coffee and you're trying to be seen as one of those people. You follow? So, furthermore, the people that say that you put fucking instant coffee in the cup and then if you put sugar in there or whatever and then you put the milk in first because if you put the hot water on the coffee granules then it burns the coffee, then I would love to know where in the process of that coffee being fucking roasted and then freeze dried and then water that isn't even 100 degrees hitting it is going to burn the coffee. Where's your fucking science degree that explains this magical fucking transformation between coffee and burnt coffee because boiling water hit it? You know what I mean? Please elaborate, explain to me because the thing that I find, and dude, I'm getting way too emotional about shit that hasn't even happened to me, but please, I don't understand what part of putting the milk in first just so that I can have some black fucking granules floating around on top that didn't get fucking dissolved in the hot water. I don't understand what part of that experience I would enjoy. And, and to top that off, I always put the hot water in first. So my coffee's never burnt, sweetie. <laughs> Man, I got emotional about some weird things today. I'm going to fucking cut it off there because I'm at 50 minutes. What a fucking effort, boy, considering I was uh, a little bit tired from the get. But I'd like to thank you for watching. Do me a favor, recommend this to a friend. Tell them the, your fucking favorite part. Put them onto my channel. Follow me on Instagram. Like me on Facebook. Do the thing on Snapchat, TikTok. Woo! I'm fucking out. Yo!